Welcome to Getting Goosebumps, The Power of Storytelling, the weekly podcast helping you to craft stories that inspire, entertain, and convince. Each week, listen to leading industry experts, from top marketers and CEOs, to producers and writers from the entertainment industry. Learn how to elevate your brand message and spare your audience into action. Hello and welcome to Getting Goosebumps. I'm your host, Brian Adams, and this week I talk to storytelling expert, TV writer and producer John York. John is the founder of BBC Writers Academy. He's also the author of the ultimate storytelling book, Into the Woods, How Stories Work and Why We Tell Them. In this episode, John walks us through story structure and proves that stories from all walks of life have the same basic elements, usually starting with an inciting instant. We also delve into simplicity and clarity and how and why stories are used by politicians and great leaders. And finally, we look at how to storify a case study to make them more effective, memorable, and more of a powerful tool to help you make more sales. So there's lots of story insights that apply to leadership, clarity, persuasion, sales, and marketing. So if you are thinking of using story to define and promote your brand, this is the episode you've been waiting for. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back. Today, I'm joined by John York. John, welcome to the show. Hello, Brian. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's great to be talking to you, John. Now, I want to get straight into um, to your your book, if, uh, if I may, John, uh, Into the Woods, How Stories Work and Why We Tell Them. It's doing incredibly well at the moment, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's been out. I think it's... A- it's third anniversary, just around now, um, and um, still seems to be selling well, which is which is lovely and um, very flattering. So, no, I'm very pleased. It's it, it's had some very good feedback. And you translate it into different languages, and it's all over the world, right? Yeah, absolutely. We just um, done an Italian translation, so um, yeah, it seems to be gaining traction. It, it seems to be, you know, it's, what's nice is people seem to be passing it on, um, which is which is the best recommendation you can have, really. So. Very flattering. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess with your background, John, um, I would guess that um, the reason you wrote it was really to talk to uh, an audience closer to your, your industry, screenwriting and novel writing and that sort of thing. But it seems to have taken hold in, in the business world. And um, this thing of story and storytelling is, um, is definitely in, in vogue at the moment. I'd be interested, but why, why, do, you, why do you think that is? Well, it's a fascinating question. I mean, yeah, I, absolutely. I wrote it. Um, I work in television. I've worked in television pretty much all of my growing up life. Um, and I was fascinated with, with how stories works in television originally. Um, but the more I was writing it, the more you go, oh, this is really interesting. This has a much wider application than I thought. So even as I was doing it, I was thinking, well, this applies to advertising, this applies to politics, you know, this requires to all of human life, really, because, you know, what we tend to do as a species is, 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 is make sense of everything by turning it into story. So once you make that leap, you realize that the, the, the principles are, are, are pretty universal uh, and endlessly applicable. And I think at the same time, there has been a growing realization in business uh, and in advertising and in politics of that as well. So they've been looking for people who can talk about it. So it sort of came at the right time. Uh, and um, so, yeah, I find spent a lot of my time talking to business people now um, and um, 
uh, advertising agencies and and, and indeed politicians, um, all of whom are keen to work out how to tell better stories. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's, you, know, you can forgive people for thinking of um, writing stories as, uh, as an art form, but, but I guess story structure and writing, um, there's more science behind it than, than people think, uh, right, in terms of uh, story structure. Can, yeah. can, can you walk us through, because um, you, you break down story structure into five parts, is, is that right? Well, yes and no. I mean, what... what... I, the thing that really got me interested was, you know, in television and film, we talk a lot about three-act structure. And then someone one day just said to me, well, then why did Shakespeare write five, in five acts? And I had no idea. Um, so, so I started to explore it, first as a hobby, because um, I was intrigued. And then the more I did it, the more I thought, oh, wow, this is really revealing. Um, and it's not because I'm advocating that people should write in five acts. It's really that if you look at how five acts works, it actually reveals how all storytelling works. It's a good way of accessing the shape that all stories tend to follow. And that sort of answers the second part of the question, which is, you know, the, the, the very first thing you ask is, are all stories the same? And then you start to realize, well, yeah, they, they all share the same underlying uh, construct. And if that is the case, there has to be, the reason for that. So, do you know when somebody's learning to paint, John, they might start with um, paint by numbers and they might learn a, a particular technique. But yeah. obviously, you know, you can paint in many different ways and all the rest of it. Um, is this a case of um, we can break it down into five parts? Is this a case of a way of just getting you started? Or... Is, is it really true that every story has these these elements, regardless of how it's put together or, or how sophisticated it is? Um, I, I, I think every story has the same elements, but I wouldn't say there are five elements. I, th- I think five elements is just a good way of understanding it. Simply, it's a really simple pattern that if you look at Shakespeare, gives you a shape that all stories tend to follow. But you know, Shakespeare has five acts, Raiders of the Lost Ark has seven acts but the same fundamental ingredients are there, um, which is you have a hero who goes on a journey uh, and discovers something. So that's, that's the inciting incident, is that right? Well, the inciting incident is, tends to be the thing that um, awakens the hero's journey. So in Jaws, for example, it's when Chief Brody realises there is a shark out there and it's a massive problem. It's something that happens in your life that throws your life into chaos, something you're not expecting, and thus in turn launches you or the central character on a quest to, to, to resolve that problem. So in Thelma and Louise, it would be um, you know, the, the attempted rape in the car park uh, and the shooting leads to them deciding, how are we going to solve this problem? We're going to drive... Um, uh, to Mexico through te- uh, without going through Texas. Um, in a James Bond film, it's the mission M gives James Bond in pretty much any one of those movies. So, so those ingredients are fairly universal, um, you know, um, in, in, in every archetype of story. I mean, I wonder whether there's people listening to this thinking, well, yeah, but that's that's entertainment and that's sort of. Um 
make-believe, sensationalised story for for us, you know, just to sort of be be entertained. But um, but I guess you're saying the same principles apply to um, any business story, or you mentioned politics. So how how can we? How is that easily translated and, and explained and put into to those worlds? Well, the simplest example I can give you um, off the top of my head is is Donald Trump, um, uh, and he basically talks in Hollywood script structure. There's two things you need in a big commercial blockbuster movie: is you need an empathetic protagonist and you need a big enemy that scares everybody um, that you unite behind to defeat. That's what Donald Trump does for his audience. I'm not saying for everybody, because obviously there's a lot of people who find that fairly repellent. But um, a, a sizable chunk of people feel that he is a hero and voices their concerns. He is someone they would like to be. And he goes out of his way to portray the world as good guys and bad guys and is very clear about what his bad guys are. He builds an enemy. And I think if you look at all the master politicians, they're very, very good in building an enemy. You know, there's a them in every speech. Uh, and the more demagogic you get, the more simple you get, um, the more um, you incite hatred against that enemy. So it's there in all politics. It's more pronounced um, in people like Trump, you know, because in the end, um, it all goes back to Joseph Goebbels. Looking at um, the the Brexit uh, situation at, at the moment, there didn't seem to be a particularly articulate or clear argument on either side. Um, would would you say that? Would first of all, would would you agree with that? And and second of all, um, if you if you're running either side, how can you see where? Um, where the mistakes were made and, and where where arguments have fallen down to, to be a lack of sort of clarity in, in, the, in those areas? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's obviously it's incredibly topical at the moment. I mean, I, I, funny enough, I was at a convention of European speechwriters um, a couple of months ago, and they were having this very discussion, which is, you know, how do you make the arguments for or against? And all of them, and these were very experienced um, speechwriters, you know, right at the top of their profession, all agreed that it was much easier to make the exit size uh, than it was to make the remain side uh, for, for all kinds of reasons, but largely because it's easier to create an enemy in exit. Exit is a clearer action uh, against an enemy. And you can argue about this a lot, but clearly at some level, some people in the Leave campaign were very good at creating an enemy, whether that enemy was immigrants or whether that enemy was in Michael Gove's word, experts, it was much more tangible. Um, and the Remain side found it much harder to lay a glove uh, because the, the arguments, the arguments to Remain are much more complex. And actually what you want is, what stories demand is simplicity or big story, stories that reach a large amount of people require really clear, simple, tangible elements. Who do we like? Who do we hate? What's the journey? Who's going to win? So, so when you're consulting or giving advice and advising and coaching on, on this sort of thing, where's the mm. line, John, in terms of um, simplifying to bring clarity and simplifying where there's 
there's every chance you're actually then misleading an audience because I mean it's an it's an incredibly complex um, situation. I'm not I'm not sure anyone knows the full um, the full scenario of of um, and what's going to happen now over the next um, couple of years. So when if if somebody were giving you that problem, uh, how how do you balance that when you're bringing simplicity to an argument? Well, well, it's very hard. I mean. I mean, I, 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 it, it depends on what side you're being asked to argue on. I, and I try not to get involved in, in those things too much. I mean, I can draw attention to people and show them how it works. Um, but, but, I mean, in businesses, that's fine. In business, it's, it's simple. In politics, I try and stay above the fray if I can. Um, because politics, you know, sadly involves reducing the extremely complex to the very simple um and you know i mean my background is in television drama film the novel where where you can deal with complicated issues better but you know there is no doubt if you look at say the the history of the labor party you're in a very interesting predicament at the moment if you look back at the three times they've been elected in the in the 20th century um it's clement attlee um, with his homes fit for heroes, it's Harold Wilson with the white hot heat of the technological revolution, and it's Tony Blair, largely being new, not being John Major's grey old government. Now that's that's stories. Each of them has a story, um, and that gives them a clarity um, that people engage with. Um, it's it's very interesting. Um, you saw this again with Bernie Sanders and, and Hillary Clinton, is Hillary Clinton didn't really have a story. She was like the Remain camp, um, and Bernie Sanders did. Bernie Sanders had an enemy. Uh, and so he came from nowhere to, to, to scaring, um, you know, the establishment favourite. And it's using the same tactics. So, you know, it, it works on either side. I think what may well save Hillary Clinton now is that she does have a, a story because she's got an enemy in Donald Trump. So ironically, he will provide her with a story she didn't have before. Uh, but it's going to be a very interesting fight, I think. Absolutely. I was, I was just going to ask you, actually, um, you know, Donald Trump he just creates his own stories. And, you know, he, he does he markets to his audience like they're a four-year-old, very simple, basic messages. But I was going to say, you know, how would you advise Hillary Clinton now? And it, you think really it is about positioning Donald Trump as as the the enemy and looking at you know if he was to get in, what what catastrophe that could? Um... Yeah, I think I think that's exactly that. You have to paint him as a juvenile um, incompetent, uh, and and that will be and that's clearly what she's doing, um, and that's why she's making all these big speeches at the moment very clearly trying to get him in a box which he'll find it hard to escape from but you know they're, they're you know as Sanders and Trump and Farage and Johnson and Gove have all found there's a lot of angry dispossessed people down there whose lives have been thrown into chaos and they want a clear line to restore order to that chaos and that's the world in which populists breed 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think looking back on the campaign, however it goes, it's going to make for a hell of a story. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. I mean, you know, objectively, uh, it's, you know, uh, as, a, as a narrative professional, it's very exciting. But politically, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a time, you know, we haven't really seen in Europe um, since the war. And I think that's disturbing. Yeah, absolutely. Getting back to um, story in um, in a, a business uh, context, John, I, I don't know how many stories I've read in a, in a business context that are just really flat and boring. Um, mm. What is it about the average business story that fails to capture imagination and, and keep our attention? Well, I think you know the the ones that work are the ones that tend to follow the rules really well. And I mean, it it depends what you're doing and what story you're telling and what you're trying to achieve with that story but if you take in terms of brand advertising then you know the people who do it incredibly well are people like um airbnb and innocent are the classic uh, example of, of, of people who do it exceptionally well uh and what they do is establish um a tone of voice um that's immediately attractive lot of people and they offer a simple goal which is immediately attractive to a lot of people and they make you feel better about uh, what you're doing um and they do that in every bit of advertising but they also do it um you know they tell the story you know it's now become very fashionable but these guys were the first to do it they tell the story of their brand um so in the case of both of those examples um they tend to tell the cinderella story which is you know we were just four geeky guys who nobody loved and we were a bit lost and then we had this idea and nobody believed us and but we thought it was great and so we carried on and eventually wow despite all this awful opposition from these terrible big businesses we tried to give you something good yeah it's a very powerful story and it, you know it's a fairy tale yeah, it is, and the, and they've maintained the essence of the the personality of that brand really well, haven't they? And they've got um... it's the idea. It's it's it, that you know people still think it's those three or four guys in a caravan, but you know it's Coca Cola, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and they're selling stuff that kills you. Yeah, <laughs> that's a whole different podcast. <laughs> but, yeah, discuss and run, run that past the yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it, but it's interesting you're selling sugar fundamentally uh, at some level um, and you know th- th- that's a triumph of storytelling yeah but you know on the on the theme of selling sugar a brand that does it really well I think is, is Red Bull because they um, oh god yeah they create the platform for their audience to tell their own stories and, and just ride the coattails of, of their audience. So in terms of creating the environment for your audience to tell stories, what's what's the different dynamic there? I mean, it's very clever. How would you break down that or what's your sort of um, your sort of reflections on how Red Bull achieve what they achieve? Well, Red Bull brilliantly have managed to become a representative of the psyche of their audience, their, the consumer. You know, they are they are a brand that, all those people want to be associated with in some way. You know, it's like yeah, that extraordinary achievement that happened in the 90s where people started wearing branded clothing to define themselves. Yeah. I mean, to define their individuality, which is, which is obviously absurd when you step back and look from it because you're, you're not. You're, being, you're paying them to advertise them. 
Um, but that's the genius of it is when the brand becomes an extension of the world you want to live in. And I think once you get to that level, um, you know, you're pretty unstoppable. Yeah. Deeply refreshing. Yeah. I mean, the, the big thing, and a number of guests talk, talk about this and interestingly, quite, quite a lot of the time they have a different, different view is, is, um, the ability or the focus around creating empathy with, with your audience. Yeah. It's. I've, I think this is a very difficult question to to ask, but um, you might have a different view. I hope you do. <laughs> <laughs> How do you go about purposefully creating empathy with your audience? I don't think there's one answer, as there isn't in screenwriting either. Um, probably the best answer is the one I use in screenwriting, which is if when you're a writer, if you love your character the audience will too. So, so it's really that simple. I mean, there are loads of shortcuts like, you know, do they, they have to be nice to their mum or give them a dog or those kind of things, which, which can all work. But the real reason is if you love your character, um, then the audience will too. And I think it's the same with a, with a brand. If you're selling something you really believe in, um, there's no substitute for that because it's genuine. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and so I think I think that's the main thing. But you know, you can be slightly more calculating that and step back and go, well, yeah, who, who am I trying to appeal to? What appeals to them? Um, what's the tone of voice that does it? You know, it's just easier if that's natural. You know, the best newspaper editors are the ones who believe everything that goes in their newspaper. It's much harder to to be a be a newspaper editor where you where you're you're going. Well, I think my audience will like this, you know. So there's no substitute for being totally engaged in your product, basically. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I guess that's again, and the empathy comes up a lot, but authenticity tends tends to follow it. Um, and that, you know, it's, it's exactly that. that. Yeah, it's authenticity is a wonderful thing. Yeah. You know? Do you know? I mean, telling stories, building brands, and empathising and engaging with an audience you know it's it's not easy right you know i mean it's 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 a challenge but one yeah. thing in business marketing and communications which for me should be a very simple process to to take on and and um and achieve is um is when businesses use case studies yeah because actually you know and, and you talk about this at, at the root of every good story really there's usually you know there's, there's a problem and then yeah. there's a solution to it you know and then there's the drama in between i guess and and that essentially is is a, is a business case study but why do a lot of businesses tend to get that wrong where it doesn't resonate or do its job to you know to, to highlight the value of a, of a business do you think well i think it's it's going it's not using storytelling techniques properly um i i did a business conference recently and 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 and, and one of the participants said, you know, how do I tell a story? Because my audience always want me, when I'm revealing results or something, they always want me to reveal them at the beginning. <laughs> uh, and 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 we had a long chat about that. And, and, and I tried to create a structure for her whereby you could create a story where you buy, you reveal the results at the end, like a proper story. And I think it partly is being brave enough to use story techniques. Partly it's about, you know, the essential things, which is like, what's going to engage your audience? What's your goal? What's the strategy? What was the goal in the story you're telling? So all those things are really clear. 
Um, I think I think those are the main things. But it's also like you know, like when you get into detailed storytelling, it's about when you reveal key information. You know, it's creating uh, anticipation and deferring gratification is largely what storytelling is, and it's the same with business. Is, how, how do you create anticipation then, John? Because that's um, absolute. That's almost like a, a holy grail. If you can articulate and walk us through that, that'd be brilliant. We have got the most amazing thing to tell you. But before we do that, <laughs> that's how you do it. You, you hint and allude. You know, or you show someone going, oh, wow, but you don't tell the audience why they're going, wow. You know, they're all basic storytelling techniques. It's all about asking a question and refraining from ask, answering it for as long as possible. You know, I actually leaned in there, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just you know keep asking questions you know if you look at um i mean top gear used to be brilliant at that as well probably still is i haven't seen the latest series but clarkson was a master broadcaster for all kinds of reasons one of which is he understood that is you keep asking questions and don't answer answer them you know you tease it's yeah it's it's simple isn't it but but it's it's really effective the, the other thing that i find um, some businesses um, aren't brave enough to talk about the things that don't quite work or the weaknesses yeah. or the problems and challenges. Yeah. And obviously, you know, we're all in business trying to get ahead and, and that kind of stuff. So how, how do you advise people to reveal those uh, elements and, and use it in, in story um, and, and navigate you know, with, without making themselves look bad and that kind of stuff, because that's the tendency. People people worry about um, showing weakness and revealing where something they didn't know, etc. So, how how do you approach that kind of thing? I think the answer to that is is is, is I tell people to to be honest. Is you know, I mean, you know, there's a caveat to that, which is you have to have the backup plan and you have to say, you know, this failed because. And if you do that, actually, it endears you to people. You know, people love it when they see you got things. You're you're brave and honest enough to admit that you got things wrong. Um, but you can't just leave it like that because that will be the message to take away. You know, we got this wrong, therefore we went back. Would that be a really bad way of creating anticipation? <laughs> yeah, really bad. Yeah, you, you, you've got to package it yeah. in a way that it's part of an ongoing story. Yeah. Um, you know. We, yeah, we had this really massive problem and we tried this, it didn't work. We tried this, it didn't work. And the chances are that this is the most exciting thing which would have happened if we hadn't had the failures beforehand. You know, and then you you wrap it around with all those caveats, which is like all great come from failure. Yeah, and, and I guess the sort of uh, the hero's journey that, you know, a lot of narrative go, goes on is demonstrating and using adversity and the the size of the challenge and when things don't quite go go right you know you, you see that in entertainment and fiction yeah is it something is it a device that we should actually embrace more do you think do you think that's i think, so. I think so. there's, there's a brilliant speech that jk rowling gave i think to university graduates when she talked about failure and she talked about how it had affected her and if it wasn't for failure she'd never ever have created harry potter and it's the most extraordinary, powerful speech. It's just brilliant. And you're doing, well, that's what every business should do. You know, to be brave enough to admit it as part of a narrative. It's, I guess it's the best way to inspire 
and connect yeah. with an audience and it's a, it's a great way to create that empathy we were talking about right at the start, right? Exactly. Do you know, John, some, some, some people are just naturally great at telling stories, whether it's just literally telling stories or, or writing them down. Do you think there's, an, there's a, a danger of overthinking this stuff and it would sort of stifle creativity? Or do you think everybody really ought to be aware of, of the structure of a, of a, of a great story? Uh, you know, that's, an art, that's a question that's asked in screenwriting all the time as well, because there's a lot of people who say, I, I don't want to know that, I just want to do it. And I think <laughs> it, it depends on who you are and what you're good at. Some people are great storytellers and great communicators, you know, but they are following the rules of the story. Uh, you know, there, there, there's a famous quote from um, Delacroix, the artist, um, which I, I used in my book, which was, um, which I thought answered this very well. It's like, first learn to be a craftsman. It won't stop you from being a genius. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, great. And I think, I think, you know, there's nothing wrong with looking at that stuff, even if it's only to dismiss it. You know, I read a lot of very bad screenwriting books, but uh, every single one I read, I learned something from. Cool, and and you um you teach this stuff online now, right? You have yeah. um sc- screenwriting and well, just lots of different writing courses yeah. on online. The interesting thing, John, is this isn't something that you do in isolation. You you like to promote the sort of the social environment and engagement with other writers, which I found fascinating. Why why does that add value to the experience or, or the or the process? Well, I think you know, I mean, at the risk of sounding slightly over obvious it's you know storytelling is a communal activity so the talking about storytelling should be a communal activity too you know i think you know you you know it's a great environment where you're all learning from each other and you're open enough to to to, to criticize and see what other people are doing you know it's like being in a classroom it's the same thing really um but the great thing about doing it online is you know you've got more time to think about it and more time to try things out but you've always got a backup there to help you when you need it yeah and just give us obviously the the, the best way is just to have a look but give us a flavor of the the type of things that you get people to do because well actually first of all tell us the different types of of courses that are on there because it's not just um screenwriting and writing for fiction and that kind of stuff is it no it's not i mean we we we, that that was 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 where it began but we're now doing storytelling for factual television um so if you're making documentaries um or reality shows all the principles of that you know they follow the same rules and we're also doing storytelling for business and storytelling for advertising as well um and we're we're about to launch a couple more. So there's, there seems to be a real appetite for it, um, which is lovely. And um, um, the more we do it, the more all the different disciplines feed into each other. You know, I, I, it's not just me. I've got experts in every field doing this as well. So we all work together. Um, and it's great. It's a, it's a really great forum where a lot of great work is being done. I mean, we get people to write uh documentaries we get people to write hollywood movies you know we get people to write business cases as well so you know we keep people busy um but in a way that's hopefully a lot of fun yeah i mean it sounds sounds absolutely fascinating it's interesting that we've split it up all the different sort of types of of courses but you know just thinking from a marketing and a business communications um point of view there's so much crap out there I, I think you know the the momentum um that you're probably in, enjoying and the sort of the reason that storytelling is sort of in vogue and, and 
and becoming even more popular is these are the basic principles. These are basic tools of producing any sort of great content, right? What, what's the sort of feedback you've been getting from people doing your course? Oh, it's been amazing, actually. I mean, um, it, it, it's online if anyone wants to have a look at it. But it's, um, you know, a lot of what, what you get an awful lot of is, is people going, oh, God, wow, of course. You know, it's that thing of people sort of instinctively know it, unconsciously know it, but have never articulated it. And the minute they articulate it, a kind of light bulb goes on. They can see, you know, rather than sending an email to my staff, you know, rather than delivering a load of facts to them, actually, I can communicate with my staff in a way that engages and inspires them. Uh, and, and that's it, really, simply by communicating in story form. Absolutely. And then once you get into it, you start seeing it everywhere, don't you? And you, yeah. you start you hating PowerPoint even more as well, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Brilliant, right. John. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I've got lots more I'd like to ask. I'm just conscious of, of time, but um, I'd love to have you uh, on again to delve sure. delve more into the, the online courses because um, I'm really fascinated by, by that stuff. But um, for now, John, can you um, give us the last word, anything you'd like to leave our audience with and tell us where we can find a little bit more out about you? The last word, that's an interesting one. Is that, you know, um, what I discovered... Uh, when I was doing this was that, that hu you know, human beings render everything into narrative. Um, it is the primal, primal way in which we communicate as a species. Um, and that's a very, very good reason for people to want to understand exactly how it works. Uh, and if you're looking for more information about that, there is a website, which is johnyorkstory.com. Uh, and it's all on there, uh, and and there's to ask loads of questions. I can get back to people as well. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, thanks again for joining me today, John. Really appreciate it. No, it's a pleasure. Thank you for asking. Awesome, and thank you for listening, guys. That's it for another week. Join me again next week, where I'll have another storytelling expert for you to listen to. Thanks again. So that's it for another week. But before you go, don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And for a chance to win a copy of our best-selling book, Getting Goosebumps, simply subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Or tweet us your thoughts using hashtag Getting Goosebumps. Would you like to pick the next guest? Let me know who you'd love to hear on the show by emailing me at brian at ph-creative.com.